Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Kaylee and Josh. Each week they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, Kaylee talks with Kylie Ann, who came to Lisbon and started a business helping other expats find housing that meets their visa requirements. Find out how she got here, how she got her business off the ground, and most importantly, how to get in touch with her because she's going to make your move easier. Kaylee and Josh, hello. Oh, hey, Dan. <laughs> Hi, Dan. Good to see you again. Well, talk to you again, I guess. <laughs> Great to see you, too. Or talk to you. Last time we spoke, you guys were sailing the high seas. I saw on Instagram you made it to Madeira for some poncha. How was Madeira? We absolutely did make it to Madeira for some poncha, and the poncha was fantastic. Nice. Yeah, Dan, and that was the only thing on my list to do there. Well, I'm glad you got it done. Yeah, for me, I have some work stuff to do because we finally hit land and we were we were back with the internet. But yeah, overall, it was it was a beeline to a poncha place to sit down, get a poncha, grab some internet. And for those of you that don't know what poncha is, it is a rum-based drink. Um, there's a regional one that's made with orange and lime, right? Lime or lemon? Lime. I don't know. Yeah. Because you can get it in all, with all different and the fisherman's and poncha. different flavors. So. Yeah, you can. So I, I, I forget which one is like the regional one, but you can get one with just orange juice too. What's funny though is the first place that we wanted to go to that we had been with friends before, we, we were talking it up with my mom and then we get there and they were closed. Man. So we had to find a different one. Yeah. And that one is one that's like on the lists, like on all of the, the poncha places to go, it's there because it's a rum house. 
and they've been making rum for, for a number of years, and they have a lot of rums from the island to try. That sounds fantastic. And uh, my mom loved it. You know, she doesn't drink too much, but she thought it was really good. She said that she was getting rum chatty, right? Rum <laughs> chatty is what she said. Yep, that's right. Okay, so what is is regional poncha? It is a sugarcane brandy, which I think it kind of comes off like a rum. Orange juice, lemon juice, and then also sugar. And it's something that locals drink too. It's not some sort of like touristy thing. I mean, when you visit, you definitely have to try it. But it's a thing that like everyone drinks there. It's the thing to drink. It is the thing to drink. And did you know that the fisherman's poncha is considered by snobs to be the only true Madeira poncha? Josh is looking that information up. He doesn't just have that off the top of his head. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was impressed either way. The only ingredients are sugarcane brandy, lemon juice, and sugar. So it's a really simple drink. It's really good. But then they also have the different varieties that are good too. Like I like the strawberry one as well. I like maracuja, passion fruit. But other than that, of course, you know, the island's not just about poncha. There are other things to do as well. But we kind of just walked around and relaxed. Did you get to see my buddy Leslie from my hometown here in Illinois? Yeah, we did actually reach out to It'll Be Fun on Instagram, but I don't think that they caught our message in time. We asked them to DM us if they were around for a coffee or a drink. And unfortunately, we weren't able to catch up. But honestly, like our window of time was so short there. Right. By the time we got breakfast and got up and, and Adam, we really didn't have that long until we had to be back on board before uh, the anchor was up. Yeah, that's kind of the good and the bad thing of cruises is you get to have like a little taste of a lot of places, but you don't get as much time in those places. And I think it could be quite deceptive. Like if you were to go to Madeira uh, just on a cruise, you you might get a little taste of it, but not really what it's all about. I think I think that Funchal and Madeira in general has a lot to offer. And you just can't sample it all in six, seven, eight hours. Oh, right. Sure. I mean, you get to see more if you do like an excursion because then they're going to take you around more of the island. But then maybe you miss a bit of Funchal. Well, I guess I'll have to spend a week there. Speaking of weeks, what do you all have planned for this week? Well, we're making huge strides with acquiring property here in Portugal. Awesome. Um, I don't know, about a week, 10 days ago, it felt like it was, it was all coming apart. But things seem to be back on track. Um, I actually delivered a document um, by going to Aveiro instead of sending it through the post just to make sure that it was there on time. Uh, the same day as getting back to Porto. So we just finished the cruise. We get back to Porto and Josh jumps on a train. Yeah. I mean, it just had to be done. So I did it. I like that attitude. Well, and the thing that was kind of crazy is obviously we've been doing like looking for a property for a really long time. And now we're out in the middle of the ocean and they need all these documents. So it was like really <laughs> stressful because it's like our internet's not great. We need to do these different documents to move move the uh, purchase forward. And we were in a really difficult location to do that. Yeah, it was tremendously stressful. Uh, I mean, we're still at risk, I guess, of of losing our deposit if we don't close the deal in time. So it's you know there there could still be some twists and turns. I hope not. I hope it goes very straightforward after this. Um, but let's see. We're working on it. Well, I'm rooting for you. Other than that, honestly, it's just about getting back to life. I mean, when you're traveling for a month, um, it was awesome being able to do that. But yeah, we're definitely really out of routine. 
probably 10, maybe 15 pounds heavier. (laughs) (laughs) So we got to get back on, on the kind of the fitness plan and uh, just get back to life. Yeah. Yeah. The normal routine. That'll be good, but it's still going to take a few days for sure. Well, that makes perfect sense. So this week, Kaylee met with Kylie Ann. She's awesome. Yeah, it was a really good interview. Really interesting to chat with her because she has started a business because she saw that there was a need for something. So not only has she been an expat herself, but then also a great entrepreneur and really has an insight as to this is a need for expats. I know that I needed it and that it was hard. So this is a need for what expats are looking for in the uh, the housing industry, I guess you could say, especially for getting your visa. So she started a business in Portugal, which has been awesome. And how'd you guys meet her? She actually reached out to us as she started the business, and I thought that she would be great to chat with on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that what she does is she solves a problem for our audience. And that's ultimately why we want to have her on and share her story and share what her business is about. Yeah, the housing aspect is such a stressful one for everyone right now with visas. So it makes sense what she's doing. And with that, we'll be back with Kylie Ann right after this. WorldPost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone. And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month. Here's a cool feature they have. WorldPost can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents. (laughs) Amazon purchases. Amazon purchases. (laughs) And you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. (laughs) She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great. Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dream since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and and choke point of the proof of accommodation. Because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the the long-term people have had problems with, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location, in a livable location, until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep, Lusitano Dreams offers visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. (music) 
Kellyanne, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. And we have a lot to talk about because you started a business to help expats move to Lisbon right now, but Portugal, and we'll get to that. But first of all, let's talk about your journey. You're an expat. You live in Lisbon. How did that happen? Where did you move from? Well, thank you, Kaylee, for having me. For starters, you're right. I did start a business specifically oriented towards helping other expats find rentals here in Lisbon because as you and anyone who attempts to move to Portugal knows, finding a rental is quite the challenge. So that's my business. But a little bit on me. I'm from the United States. I'm a born and raised Midwesterner. If you would have told me a few years ago that I was going to be living in Portugal right now, I would not have believed you, although I would have wished for it. I graduated college in 2019, right before the pandemic started and sort of got thrown into like the typical nine to five workflow, working for myself a little bit, working in New York City for a bit. And then COVID happened. Pandemic hit and that sort of turned my life upside down a little bit like everyone else is. And while it was challenging. It sort of opened the door for me, I suppose, to move to Portugal because I I lost my job and I needed to find a way to make money really quick. And that evolved into me starting my first business, which was a, a little marketing consulting company, which I still do now as well. And having that self-employment income sort of enabled me to move to Portugal. And I had visited several times before. I had good friends who lived here and I had always loved visiting and one day they proposed to me, well, why don't you consider moving here? Like it might be a, a good place for you to go. So that's how the idea sort of sprung into my head. And um, now now I'm here. I've been here since September of last year. And it's been it's been amazing. Awesome. OK, so did people think you were crazy when you being from the Midwest? I mean, you had been in different states, but were they like you're crazy for moving out of the U.S.? Yes and no. So the the circumstances uh, back in the United States. So for for so many people, they understand like the cost of living has just shot up all all around the world, quite frankly. But uh, in the United States, where I was living, uh, that was a big challenge for me and many of the people in my circle. So when I told them that I was going to move because well, it's a nicer cost of living. I think they sort of had like the you're crazy, like what the heck, you're going to go all the way across the world. But at the same time, they're like, hmm, maybe I should do that too, because not only am I going to save some money, but the lifestyle uh, is just so wonderful living here. So uh, yes and no, it was you're crazy. But at the same time, oh, maybe we should think about it ourselves. And did you consider any other place besides Portugal or because you knew friends there and you'd visited? It was like, that's the place. I consider different locations in the United States, but this was the only foreign country that I ever considered uh, moving to. So, okay. And so it wasn't necessarily that you were, you know, moving away from the U.S. because you're trying to run from something or get away from something, but you just thought cost of living, the stage of life I'm in, maybe the money that I'm making, the lifestyle, all that stuff. You thought, okay, Portugal's good. Right, right. I think one misconception that a lot of people have when it comes to moving from the United States or any country to a place like Portugal where the lifestyle is so wonderful uh, and the cost of living lower than many other places out there is we're trying to like run away from problems in the U.S. And though I list I listed like the cost of living as a big issue that sort of prompted me to move to Portugal. I wasn't running away from 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 big problems there, because as you know, and everyone else who lives here in Portugal is that Portugal also comes with its fair share of challenges and problems. This isn't a place of just rainbows and unicorns. There's issues here that you have to deal with as well. So, yeah, it was 
Uh, of course, again, like I mentioned, the cost of living as well, but the lifestyle here is just so wonderful that that's what really ended up uh, pulling me over here, I guess you could say. So it was less running away from something, more being attracted to what they have here, what what Portugal has to offer. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And you landed in Lisbon. Again, is that because you knew people there, you'd visited, or why Lisbon? Yes. Well, I visited Portugal several times. As I mentioned, I have friends here who live in Cascais. So I had become very familiar with Lisbon, Cascais, and sort of everything in between. My friends were very, very nice. They ended up taking me to down to the Algarve. I had visited different cities there. But ultimately, Lisbon, moving here all by myself, it's just such an international city. There's people from all over the world who can be in here. So I, I enjoyed the city, but also for the fact that I knew that networking and getting a good group of friends was going to be uh, this was going to be the place for me to do that. And and I, I can't complain. Like I'm looking outside right now and it's almost 70 degrees already today, blue skies. So I think I made the right choice. to come. Yeah, definitely. What would it be like back in the States where you where you're from? What would the weather be like? I actually look almost every single day just to get a comparison. And right now it I've got to do a little math in my head to do the Fahrenheit to Celsius. But in Fahrenheit, it's like a 40 degrees, cloudy Ooh. mix of rain and snow, which I want to say that's like nine, 10 degrees. You can Celsius, keep it in Fahrenheit. Maybe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's a lot of conversions I have to do on a daily basis. So, but good. So, um, cold, rainy, snowy, kind of gloomy. And now you get to sit outside here in March and look at you know, beautiful, warm weather. Sounds pretty good. Right. And to, I think, address the other part of your question, too. And this sort of gets into how I ended up starting the businesses. Given that my friends do live here in the Lisbon area, they were able to help me get an apartment quite simply, which had I gone to another location in Portugal, I might not have had those same connections in order to get a rental. But moving here, uh, I had a secure place to live thanks to them. So that's sort of what prompted me to start the business that I have right now. Yeah, that's really good. People that you know. How did you actually meet these friends initially? Just a lot of good networking, savvy networking when I was in college. I used to work for a company. I had an internship when I was in college. And at one point, that company that I had the internship with invited me out to what I would call like a little conference or seminar in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where they had a keynote speaker who I became friends with at the time. And this this new friend of mine, when I was studying in Rome, also in college, said, hey, we have some friends in Portugal. Why don't you consider going to Portugal and connect with some of our friends there? We think you really like them. We think you'd have a lot to talk about. And at the time, I hadn't ever really even considered like visiting Portugal. It was it was like 2014. And it was sort of when Portugal was just popping up on the radar of people in the United States or, or the masses, I would say. And I ended up traveling to Portugal on their recommendation, meeting my now very good friends. And we stayed connected ever since then. And they've been very nice enough to invite me back to their home several times after that. So it was just a combination of savvy networking, good timing, and uh, it all sort of came together. Yeah, great. And they're Portuguese, right? Yes, they're Portuguese, uh, born and raised in the Cascai area. So awesome. What a great connection and awesome that you were able to network like that. Um, so you just moved here last year, you said. What visa did you end up moving on? Did you get in on the remote worker visa since that was kind of new or was it still the D7? I'm on the D7. I, I think the remote worker came out in early 2023. But uh, even so, I think now that I've been here for several months, I'm planning to stay 
longer term. When I first moved here, I was like, okay, I'll try it for a year. We'll see how it goes. But now I'm thinking, okay, this is, it's going to be hard to go back home after this. Yeah, because the government had passed, um, you know, that they were going to have this remote worker split in the middle of last year in 2022. And it was officially rolled out in November of 2022. But all the consulates were like, what is this? Like there was like mass confusion. And we knew of people who were, they would go to a consulate and they would, uh, you know, be applying for the remote worker visa right there at the end of the year. And the con- some of the consulates would be like, uh, what visa is this? So it was one of those, yeah. like, the government is issuing it, but wait, everyone has to catch up. And then, of course, you hit holiday time, and then there were pending strikes and everything. So it sounds like they, they've, they uh, it was a, a little bumpy at first. But, yeah, now as we hit quarter one in 2023, they, they're hitting a bit more of a rhythm with the different split with the visas. But it was pretty pretty crazy at first. Yeah, this is the beauty of Portugal. <laughs> yeah, so I just typical. Yep, that's exactly what I tell people. And, and I always tell people, you know, they want to come here. And they they're want the slower pace of life, the good work-life balance. But you got to remember, it translates into all parts of their life. It's their culture. So when you get here and you think, this is what I want, and then it's taking you, you know, 10 days to set up your utilities, uh, it's kind of how it works. <laughs> right, right. And I think that's sort of what we were talking about before. It's the not having this perception that Portugal is just this magical land where you're going to escape all of your problems and everything's going to be fine. It just, it it doesn't exist. It's such a wonderful place to be, but it doesn't come with its own set of challenges. So you just have to decide which set of challenges you want to deal with and, and go with that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Kind of lowering your expectations. Or I just tell people go in with no expectations because when you do that, then, then you're just so happy with what the outcome is. And when you hit the bumps, which you will, like you said, then it's not as big of a deal. You just power through them and you figure them out. And you just figure out how to do it in a different country than the one you came from because you were doing it there. So now you just have to do it here, right? Exactly. Okay, so talking about those bumps, you saw a great opportunity to help people who face a big challenge. So let's talk about the business you started, the name of it, what you do, how you can help people. So I started a business in January of 2023. It's called Casa Azul. And what we do is we help foreigners who are moving to Portugal on all different types of visas rent apartments. And it's funny because although I had friends here with connections in the real estate market and I knew they could sort of help me get an apartment here, probably quite simply, when I first started my apartment search, I tried to do it all on my own. And I did what pretty much everyone else does. I opened up my computer, typed apartments for rent in Lisbon, Portugal, and it looked like there was a myriad of But very quickly, it started to prove that it was going to be a lot more challenging than just submitting requests to view apartments on Idealista, which certainly that might work for some people. But for the majority of people, it proves a lot more challenging than that. So after about a month of trying to do that on my own, I threw in the towel and I reached out to my friends and said, hey, can you give me a hand? Is there anyone you know who might be able to help me find an apartment? And Two days after that, they had a lease for me on the table. Wow. Now I'm in this beautiful apartment. It's where I'm recording right now. And that's what really inspired the idea for this business is looking at the market. I wanted people to have that same sort of plug or insider in the market as I did, because I was very, very fortunate to just happen to have friends here who have those plugs into the real estate market. But obviously, most people don't. Most people moving here don't even have a single soul or reference here in Portugal. So the idea was if we can create a system where every person moving to Portugal has that same sort of plug into the market, those relationships with different 
real estate agents and agencies, perhaps we could create a business out of that to really help people solve this rental challenge. Because to be totally honest, it seems to be getting only more difficult over time and we expect it to get more difficult to find rentals. So I'm hoping that this business is really going to take a lot of weight off people's shoulders when it comes to finding a rental to get that to get the visa because it's challenging. Yeah, the the rental space right now is so crazy in in Lisbon, but all over Portugal. So this is a great service because it causes a lot of people stress because since it is part of the application process, you know, people think, do I need to go over and scout? Can I do it sight unseen? Which is always scary because you hear about the mold and the no elevator or whatever. You know, there, there's always there could be something that can scare people. So it's definitely one of those things on the application that makes people so scared. So this is great that you're offering this service. So it's a new company. Congratulations on starting the company. Thank you. Was it difficult to start up this company as an expat or because you're partnering with Portuguese, it made it a little easier? What was that process like? Getting started in Portugal, my perception going in is that it was going to be a very difficult because the, my business structure is I partner with dozens of different real estate agents and agencies here in Portugal. Right now, we're just covering the greater Lisbon area, but we're slowly starting to expand out to other cities, including Porto, the, El, the Algarve, etc. And business culture here in Portugal is very different than what I was used to in the United States. And from what people had told me, Simply picking up the phone and making a cold call or sending out a cold email, a message on LinkedIn was most likely going to be just a hot dead end here in Portugal. So that was challenge number one. I, I had this mindset of, OK, this is going to be very, very difficult. I have to find some sort of way to skirt around that. So I tried the cold outreach approach. It wasn't that successful. But what people t ended up telling me, and this is just from individuals that I met at the gym that I go to at restaurants that I went to I would sort of I was sort of starting to build up my own little network of friends here in Portugal they said well why don't you just meet people personally what if you have one connection into the real estate market they'll give you a connection to another person at an agency someone who knows someone who just purchased the house will help you find or connect with the agent who sold them a house and it turns out that building those business relationships is a lot more interpersonal here People are much more willing to talk to you and really give you the time of day if you know someone who knows someone. So the caveat to like starting the business here is creating that network of people that you know in person versus these uh, virtual relationships that are much more common in the United States. So in my opinion, overall, it's all about creating a very personal, close-knit network that is the biggest difference between Portugal and the United States. And that was a challenge for me at first because, again, mindset-wise, I was thinking... I could just pick up the business culture that I used in the United States, bring it here, and that proved not to work so much. So I had to switch it around. But it's been wonderful. And it's actually been better this way because I think those interpersonal relationships really help create like a stronger business for, for the people that we serve. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's much nicer, right? Doing things in person and not keeping it so virtual. You just have a bit more of a yeah. personal relationship. But like you said, you build that trust, that respect. And so then your clients can feel comfortable with the people you're recommending because you have fully vetted them and you you feel comfortable with them and you have a relationship with them rather than just being, oh, we connected through email and maybe I've talked to them on the phone once or something. It's a, it's a different type of relationship that you have. So you can feel a bit more comfort and your clients can feel a bit more comfortable with it, right? Right, exactly. And every single agency that I'm working with, we've sat down and they've really given me some great insights into the market here and expectations for what they expect to happen in the future. So 
we're expecting like to build the business out to be a lot more than just rentals in the future, given the insights that they've given me. We see that there's a lot of different ways that we could potentially help foreigners who are moving to Portugal find good housing here. So more to come in the future. Awesome. Okay. So what are you currently doing? Tell us about your services and how like right now you're ready to go on what types of things. Our primary uh, service right now is helping foreigners relocating to Portugal find rentals. So not short-term rentals. Everything is one, two-year or longer-term leases, as they would call here. So if, uh, your example, applying for the D7 visa, as I did, as you know, you need to have a lease agreement just to apply for the visa. So if you are in that process of applying for your visa, all you have to do is go to my website, casaazulpt.com. Submit a request for the type of apartment you're looking for. So whether you're looking for a one-bedroom in Kashgash or a three-bedroom in Elmada, you'll submit that information to us on our website. What we will do then is relay all of that information back to our pool of real estate partners who I've talked about before. And within a few hours, we usually have some good options that either match exactly what you're looking for or somewhat similar could potentially work and we'll sort out all of the paperwork the viewing of the apartments we'll do virtual viewings we'll send over photos we'll connect you with a real estate agent for any particular questions you may have before uh, you get the lease in your hand so it's a full one-stop shop for getting your rental here in portugal but as i mentioned before we're only covering the lisbon area right now soon to come other areas of portugal as well yeah, this is a, a really great service that you're providing people. And I'm sure people will also, uh, having one of our viewers or listeners will really like that you're stretching outside of Lisbon too. I mean, Lisbon obviously has a lot of interest, but as the different parts of the country grow, you'll find interest uh, elsewhere, especially, you know, Porto, Algarve, but even some of the smaller towns too. So that'll be great to have those uh, special connections with different realtors and such in different areas so that you can do the same thing. And, you know, if you are someone out there who is interested in, let's say, living in Porto, some of our current real estate partners do have some listings in 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 other cities like Porto or the Algarve Coimbra. So if you are looking for an apartment outside of the greater Lisbon area, I would still encourage you to reach out on our website, fill out a request form or send us an email because we may be able to help find a place outside of the Lisbon area. But as I mentioned, the the personal relationships that we build with our clients, they do take a little bit of time. Hence why it's taking us some some months to expand outside of the Lisbon area. But we expect within like a month or two to have more of those formal relationships built to where we can start doing full services in other locations in Portugal. Okay. So the process is that they reach out to you on your website. They fill out the form of what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. uh, they pay you a fee to go with your connections and find something they're looking for. And then you give them pictures, video, walkthrough, information, location, things like that. Well, yes and no, Kaylee. So you don't pay us until we find you an apartment. So the process from start to finish is, again, you submit the form on our website outlining what you're looking for. We will go and reach out to our partners to see whatever they have that might fit or be close to what you're looking for. If none of those options don't suit you, you don't pay us. Okay. If it does suit you, we'll take care of the paperwork for the lease all for you. We'll get it to you so you can either sign it virtually or um, you can send it to us in the mail. We'll take care of everything from start to finish. It is just a flat fee for once we find you an apartment before you sign the lease, we'll send you an invoice for 150 euro. 
That's all you pay. There's nothing hidden in the lease. It, it's just a straightforward 150 euros to get your lease taken care of. If we can't find an apartment right now that fits what you're looking for, what we'll do then is we'll add you to our waiting list, as we call it, although it's not quite like a waiting list. And I'll explain why in just a moment. And once we have an apartment that does end up fitting your needs, we'll send it to you right away. And then if it's a good fit for you, we go ahead and move forward. If it's still not a good fit, we'll keep you in the loop on what opens up uh, as soon as we get it. So one thing that a lot of foreigners aren't aware of when they're moving to Portugal looking for an apartment is unlike in other countries where let's say it's January 1st and you want to find an apartment for April 1st. It's very reasonable for many people to sit in their home countries to say, okay, that gives me three, four months to find an apartment in the future. That's reasonable. Here in Portugal, no, it doesn't work like that. How it usually works is 30 days before an apartment is going to be free, it'll get listed. In some cases, for more affordable apartments and apartments that are very high in demand, one week. So if you go looking for an apartment in Portugal on January 1st for April 1st, you will 99% of the time going to come up with a dead end. So vacancies open up very quick, very much so on the fly, which is why if you're added to the our waiting list, as we call it, it's most likely because you just came a little bit more than a month or a few weeks in advance. And you just need to give yourself a few days for things to open up before we start sending you options. So it's really important to keep in mind as you're going through your apartment hunting process that the Portuguese market, it just works differently. It's on the fly. It's quick. The market is very competitive. So if something was to be open for months in advance, it would be gone and stuck. Yeah. Just something very important to keep in mind when you're going through the the process of finding a rental in Portugal. Yeah, that's really great to have because some people do start looking really early. And well, the other thing, too, is if you're applying, you know, you have about those 60 days for Seth to deny or approve you. So that's another thing I, I want you to chat about. Um, if someone's looking for an apartment, mm -hmm. like you said, they're looking in January and they're planning on submitting their stuff in February, but they can't actually move here till April. Do you help facilitate negotiating that waiting period or do you know most people just have to eat those two months so that they can sign a, a contract right away or does it depend? Uh, what's your experience with that so far? The, the answer to this question is going to be very different for everyone. So for starters, what I will say, what people tend to do most often is because, as you said, you have that 60-day waiting period with Ceph usually in order to see whether or not your visa application was approved. However, you need to have the lease before you even submit all that paperwork, which means for many people, they will have a lease that, let's say they started on January 1st, and on the same day, they send all their paperwork off to Ceph. That means that they have one, two, maybe even three months of paying for their lease without actually being right. there because they're waiting for their visa to be approved. And that is unfortunately the norm for most people. So in order to mitigate the challenge of that, what many people will do is travel to Portugal on their tourist visa to move into their apartment to get settled in before their formal visa, whether it be the D7 or D8, is approved. And as you know, like that's there are risks associated with that because, of course, you are coming to Portugal prior and moving into your apartment before your formal visa is approved. 
but that is the norm here because otherwise it is so difficult to get a lease in in any other way. You have to have the lease before submitting the paperwork. So I cannot mitigate that. That's just the law. But as I said before, most people do go about it in that manner. So while it's inconvenient and it will call force you to spend a couple extra months of rent that you might not even be taking advantage of. It's the typical process and just one of those things that we mentioned before, one of the not so hot aspects of moving to Portugal on the current system we have right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and that's actually becoming more common that people are submitting their visa application. And then because they have a, a place to land in Portugal, they come here on the tourist visa, which again, like you said, we're not Neither of us are lawyers. We're not giving any legal advice or anything. But if you're coming on your tourist visa, you have your passport, um, then, yeah, you could definitely come in on that until you get the hopefully good news about your visa. And then you do have to go back to your home country to get that put in your passport. But that's another reason, too, why I know like people in the San Francisco, that they have to go to that VFS office. They give you the option there if you want to leave your passport with them while you wait. And some people think maybe I'll do that because okay. then it'll happen faster, but not necessarily. And then then you're kind of stuck. You have to stay in the U.S. So a lot more people are just saying, oh, I'll you know take my passport with me so that I can travel a bit while I'm waiting to, to get the good news. So again, you're right. One of those unfortunate things that is right. part of the, the bureaucracy and the way they're doing stuff. And there, there have been some rumors that we've heard that possibly maybe more so with the D8, the remote worker visa, that they might do away with this requirement for application because you can kind of see it does cause problems in a sense. They, there's there's pros and cons here, right? Because if you do it beforehand, then you have a place to stay when you get here, right? So it's like not like you get here and then you're like, I mm-hmm. can't find any place. And now I'm stuck in this short-term rental paying a lot more while I still look for a long-term rental. But then on the other hand, it locks you into a place, which is, you know, people don't, some people don't know right. exactly where they want to actually be. And they, they, they get scared. Oh, I have to be in this area for a year. I don't even know if that's where I want to be for a year. So yeah, there's pros and cons to it, but um, I guess a few ways to kind of go about it to make it a little bit more of a softer landing, a bit more comfortable, right? No, exactly. And that's why we're thankful for channels like yours, because we know exactly what we need to do in order to have a, a successful visa application so that when we do submit all the information, we already have a apartment rental, we can be quite sure that it's going to be successful and we'll get approved and be able to show up to the apartment and everything's going going to go smoothly. But no, you're right. And one thing that I will say too about Casa Azul is we are doing our best to sort of cut down that those months that people are paying in advance before actually moving into the apartment. I've seen some people who pay 12 months of an apartment rental rent before they even get their visa approved. So, and that's because the rental market is so competitive. Once people find something, they just jump in and start paying for it immediately, which, yeah, I guess you could say on one hand, that definitely takes a lot of stress off their plate. They have the rental, but at the same time, they're paying it for it for nine, 10, 12, 11 months. And that's a certainly not ideal, I would say, but some people will do it because, like I said, the rental market is so competitive here right now. Yeah, I know. Sometimes it's like you feel like you have to to lock it in, but then there's the nerves of, wait, I haven't even been approved yet for my visa, so what happens if I don't? Yeah, there's a lot of unknowns there. So, again, lots of pros and cons, but thankfully your business, uh, it's a great model to help people, you know, just make it smoother and a little less stressful. And then I did have another question with your services. Do you provide the housing lease in English and Portuguese? Or because so, that's a, a stress 
that we get a lot. People don't know exactly mm-hmm. what's in the housing lease because they're looking at it in Portuguese. So they're like, do I need to hire a lawyer for this? Or do you guys provide it in both languages? One thing that many people are unaware of is it is your right as a tenant here in Portugal to have your lease in English. And I'm not surprised that many people are unaware of this because the laws and what is required in Portugal is unknown by so many people even attorneys that the information is so all over the place as we were just talking about with the the different visas there's rules but are these the real rules is there another set of rules this person said that that person said this so it is your right as a tenant to request a lease in your your native language so yes we will help make sure that you understand all the terms associated with your lease and that includes getting one in English it's so funny that's so typical you know Portugal they've got a law but no one really follows the law and then there's this common practice that everyone thinks is the law but it's not actually the law you know it's uh, funny funny bureaucratic stuff that you get here right and you know that's another thing that we foresee uh, doing in the future is because there is such a massive information out there and there's a lot of information out there but everyone is saying something totally different what we foresee like casa azul to be in the future is not just a place to like come and get a rental but sort of like a hub of information for all things rental and housing in portugal so we're networking with not just agencies and different agents right now but different real estate attorneys, different people involved in real estate finance here in Portugal so that we can deliver good quality information to people on what their rights are, what to do if they show up and there's mold everywhere all over their apartment, which is quite unfortunately common here in Portugal given the climate that we live in. So we really foresee creating this sort of like hub of information for people in the future because it it is so confusing and no one really seems to have clear answers on everything. And that's that certainly adds to the pile of stress when it comes to moving to Portugal. And it's unnecessary. Yeah, yeah that's great. That, that'll that be a great platform to have. So then people getting in touch with you, they can check out your website. Any other way uh, that you want them to get in touch with you? Yeah, definitely. So you can, as I mentioned before, the way to go about getting a rental with us is to submit an apartment request form on the Rent With Us page of our website, casaazulpt.com. If you have a question or want to get in touch, you can email us at info at casaazulpt.com. And also, uh, if you have a different type of message unrelated to renting or just about moving to Portugal, my personal Instagram is Kylie. And if you have just a general question about moving to Portugal, I'm always looking to help people out there as well. Awesome. Kylie, this is so great. And, you know, at Expats Everywhere, we believe that living abroad transforms lives. So how is living in Portugal and living abroad transformed your life? That is such a good question. Well, I think it comes down to starting this business. I think when you open yourself up to new challenges in life, moving to a different country, you new opportunities seem to come up out of nowhere. So for me, once I moved here, it was just like a no-brainer to start this business. Uh, throwing myself into a completely new environment where you see different problems everywhere. Every problem, is there's a solution to it. So moving to Portugal, it was challenging. But with those challenges, I saw different opportunities to start new businesses, offer new ways to help other people. And that's really enriched my life. And now because of this business, I just don't have a new company that I'm running every single day. But I have this amazing new network of other professionals here in Portugal who are all super dedicated to helping others and moving to Portugal, helping locals here, living their best life, etc. So it's just opened up like an entire 
richness of opportunity that I don't think I would have had I not moved here. Oh, Kylie, that's awesome. Thanks for your service. And thanks for helping out other expats who are interested in moving to Portugal. And thanks for being on our podcast today. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. So listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal. We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off. So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date. Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts. 